Ribani, and welcome to Wrestling with Statistics, where we look at the world of professional wrestling through the unique perspective of stats and analytics. I am your host, Ryan Knightsey, and with me, as always, is the man behind Pro Wrestling Musings, Craig Lees. Craig, how are you doing, friend? Uh, doing great, yeah. I'm really glad that I've got no um, aches and pains today. Anything like shoulder based, that's really good. This this feels like a direct call out to me, and I <laughs> don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I, what I do know is I feel pain about it directly in my shoulder. Yeah, I woke up this morning, and I don't know what happened, but like my it's like right at the shoulder, basically, where it's like it, it's in pain, and I'm slightly concerned. Because like usually you know sometimes people you know sleep on it. I don't know how I would have slept on my shoulder weird, but what I'm concerned about is that like I have like like not shooting or anything, but like there's this like the the, the you know uh, I'm trying to th- I'm not a doctor <laughs> so I don't know, <laughs> but I have like a little like those little quirk lightning things on like my tricep and then like right by my thumb. So I don't know what's happening with my arm. I think I'm dying. Um, I think I'm gonna come on here next week, and my arm's gonna be cut off. Um, you know, we're, we're we're hoping for the best at this week at this point. You know, two episodes in, one of your hosts is already falling apart. <laughs> All my body parts seem to be fine, so I don't really have um, much to add to that. <laughs> there, there's really no transition out of uh, dude. How are your body parts <laughs> going, Craig? <laughs> yes, we're gonna go dive into the shoulder stats of each <laughs> AEW wrestler. I think we need to leave it now. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah uh well thank you everybody for you know coming back for a second episode of wrestling statistics we had a huge success with the first episode staying past the shoulder chat yeah yeah, staying past the shoulder chat is is trial number two (laughs) um but thank you everybody for coming back uh or, or even if you're a new listener uh we greatly appreciate it um, you know, last week was episode one. You know, we're coming back yet again with <laughs> shoulder pain and all. Man, I really, I really just stopped with the shoulder pain bit. Um, but yeah, you know, thank you everybody for coming back. Um, you know, we're very excited to be back for a second week, and we got a decent amount of stuff to talk about. I think, Craig. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, we're gonna talk about whether punching your opponent a lot leads to winning a wrestling match. Yes, and the the results may surprise you, and that's what we call a tease in the biz. Uh, I, don't know if you know, I don't know if you know that too much, but we got a little rundown here, real quickly. We'll just we'll go over just a little. I guess you know when you open up a book, uh, the table of contents page. I'm just going to do a quick table of contents for you, folks. We got, of course, we're going to talk about uh, some of the stats from AEW match. That one being John Moxley versus Frankie Kazarian. And then we're going to lead into some sort of a, a look-see at the upcoming AEW World Title match, Moxley versus Brody Lee, since that was announced. Uh, we do have a second scatter plot for you, and of course, if you always want to see those uh, scatter plots, they should be in the description of the podcast you're listening to, or if you go and listen or view our YouTube channel of Hit the Books, you can see the video portion of the show, which all shows all these graphs and everything, which were really helpful. That actually, it actually works really well. I was impressed how you set that up. Like the, it, yeah, it fits together really nicely. Thank you, thank you, Craig. I mean, uh, what? Of course, we did it together. We're, we we nailed it perfectly. Um, but we got another scatter plot for you, which uh, Craig sort of alluded to. We're going to touch down on the AEW league tables as we get closer and closer to double or nothing, and then we got a little discussion. Uh, if time permitting, we have a little discussion. Uh, talking about NXT, uh, specifically the title matches that happened last week on NXT. 
So let's start off, Craig. Let's start off. Let's look at these Moxley Kaz stats. Um, John Moxley versus Frankie Kazarian happened last week on AEW Dynamite, uh, which was, of course, their return to live programming, but also the return of SCU to, and I guess also Moxley to uh, AEW in a very long time. Uh, so after watching this match, uh, what were some things that you pulled out of this uh, bout, Craig? Um, so it was another um, it was another John Moxley match where as the AEW champion, um, so this was the 10th match he'd won in a row in 2020. Um, so he's on a 10-match winning streak, which is, you know, that's, that's very impressive. That's a strongly booked wrestler, strongly booked character. Um, but what's really fascinating about the way that AEW are booking John Moxley is he's, so he's the champion, he's won 10 matches in a row, he's hard as nails, you know, babyface champion, takes on all comers, but statistically, he, there's no real stat that you can pull out to kind of explain how he's been booked strongly. He's, he's not um, get hitting numbers for strikes, grapples, diving maneuvers, um, submissions, even the amount of finishes he's pulling out that would suggest that he should be winning all these matches. They're not painting a picture of him as a tremendous wrestler um, via the numbers, except for one statistic, which um, is perhaps unsurprising, in that he's the man in AEW that takes more damage than anybody else. He's he's going through matches, taking a huge amount of offense from pretty much all of his opponents, except for perhaps somebody like Fabu Andre, who will come back to in a second, <laughs> best name in wrestling. Um, <laughs> Fabu Andre, just to repeat that, Fabu Andre. Um, anyway, so yeah, um, John Moxley versus Frankie Kazarian. John Moxley picking up 47% of the offense in the match, taking 53% of it from Kazarian. And again, this mimics John Moxley in AEW. He's... Um, going into matches and taking a lot from from his opponents. Yeah, conversely, not just in the offense, but also that strike down rate. John Moxley looking at ten percent of a strike down rate versus Kaz's eighteen mm-hmm. percent. Um, yeah, no, John Moxley. He he has always been. He's not like a presented like a dominant, you know, brooding figure. He is a guy that. He is, you know, maybe not the best, numbers-wise, the best, like, technical wrestler or anything. But really, what AEW is presenting him as through these numbers and through these stats is that he is a fighter. Um, he yes. is, he is, you know, maybe again, maybe he's not the most technical wrestler, but he is a guy that will go out there. You know, he'll take whatever punishment he's given, but he's going to, uh, you know, be resilient. Um, which, of course, you know, there's... That uh, offensive taken is really what that's that stats were telling us is how resilient these people are in terms of like his average across um, all all of his AEW matches. Um, John Moxley's sort of percentage of offense is forty five percent, so he's averaging forty five percent in a match, um, and then kind of to paint a picture of like. And when you look at other sports, there's kind of you have to manage how many football games your, you know, players are playing. And if um, you know, if you're going into a football match and one team has played 30 games that season, another game has 20, then you know, one one of the teams are going to be fresher. 
So John Moxley has um, taken more offensive moves than anybody else in AEW and um, one-on-one matches, 359 offensive moves, um, a full 101 more than the um, next competitor, which is Cody Rhodes with, he's taken 558 um, moves in AEW one-on-one matches in 2020. Yeah, I mean, Moxley, he is, it's weird. It's weird thinking of someone that's like, you know, his character is someone that's mm-hmm. very badass, right? Um, and then looking well, it's at it, it's 10, like... 10 wins in a row. That's dominant. To be clear, that is 10 wins in a row out of 10 matches of 2020. So he he is undefeated. So it's like he's this badass, he's undefeated, but it's like, oh, but he gets his butt kicked a lot <laughs> in this promotion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just looking at this Moxley Kazarian match, you know, he did come out with more strikes uh, in this ma- in this bouting, bouting outing. That's a combination of bout and outing. outing. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think is what I did. But he, you know, he he Kazarian had more strike downs, had more dives, way more submissions, uh, submission seconds specifically, uh, mm-hmm. more reversals. Um, but of course, it was Moxley's uh, finisher that ended up getting the victory. Uh yeah, Kaz, you know, looking at the, even the, you know, the flow of offense here, it's, you know, Kaz is very consistent. You know, Mox, Moxley gets a a big old number there right in the middle of the graph there, but uh Kaz mm-hmm. is very consistent, constantly going in, constantly going after uh Moxley. Um, you know, it's uh, it is interesting as well cuz you know, Kaz is a normally a tag team wrestler in All Elite Wrestling. In fact, you know, the the first ever tag team champion in All Elite Wrestling. Yet he is giving the AEW World Heavyweight Champion a run for his money. Granted also a lot of other people apparently give Moxley a run yeah. for his money, but uh you know, that it it's 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 what's nice about that, you know, stepping outside of the whole thing and stepping into like the storyline stuff is like allowing this sort of thing of like Moxley getting the win, but always getting his ass kicked in these matches. Um, it allows us to be like, Oh, Frankie Kazarian's a little pretty much good of a singles wrestler. You know, he's taking advantage of all this stuff and then go all the way going back to like Jeff Cobb, Santana Ortiz. It's like, Oh, there's, you know, they're getting their licks in. We're seeing, a, we're seeing a lot about these singles guys, but Moxley of course is the guy that eventually gets the win. Yeah. And that seems to be his MO. He's, just like a punching bag that you can't or you know you just, you just can't get past him and then eventually he comes out on top when you're knack, knackered tired and have expended all your energy um, hitting him repeatedly and then when you're absolutely exhausted he just takes you out essentially that's yeah that's probably you know probably the story right there is that yeah he's he takes the punishment and then just finishes you with the, with not, I was going to say the dirty deeds paradigm shift. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah. And conversely, uh, compared to Lance Archer, who we talked about last week, who is a guy that also takes a lot of punishment, but it's that sort of punishment is punishment. He asked for, um, yeah, it's we're, a bit different. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit different, like story dynamic on, uh, mm-hmm. on top of that is, you know, Archer's asking to for this punishment, you know, he's asking to get punched or whatever. Um, but then he just, you know, hits the person and knocks him down. Mm-hmm. Moxley, he's not hitting people and knocking them down. He's just really just taking it. He is, like you yeah. said, a punching bag that once you're tired, he'll just end you right then and there. Um yeah. he's like um 
what is it? Uh, he's like Homer Simpson in that one Simpsons episode back in the day where Homer was a boxer, where it was the episode, the whole episode was just Homer, for whatever reason, could just take a bunch of punches to the head oh. and then just do one punch and then he wins the bout. Is I'm, I was racking my head to find a comparison somewhere because I'm sure I'd seen that story before of the, the guy that just exhausts his opponents via taking everything they can give and then capitalizing at the end is it the simpsons is that where i've remembered that from <laughs> i feel like that's at least where i remember it from I, uh-huh. I surely there's been like plenty of other yeah yeah you know cartoons and stuff that oh, I, think looney tunes, I think looney tunes did it as well i wouldn't be surprised honestly yeah. <laughs> it, I don't, it's, we, it's weird that all of the comparisons are coming from cartoon shows <laughs> um uh, so i don't know what the... john moxley has gone from hardest man in the room to cartoon character yeah i feel like maybe that's what we're insinuating slightly um (laughs) i'll I'll say as a distance like moxley please don't attack me Uh, (laughs) yeah uh yeah no moxley he's someone he's a punching bag that when you are tired he he strikes uh yeah with that with that paradigm shift which is very interesting and you know it also goes into his you know unsanctioned matches we know whether they uh are fined or not um you know they goes into that aspect where he takes a lot of punishment and then he ends up you know getting the victory he's someone that can take barbed wire to the back and still pull out a victory yeah absolutely um and i believe in that match kenny omega was completely on top and um i think at the end of that i said that kenny omega had gotten drunk on violence and that was the reason that he lost but um, now seeing John Moxley in AEW for longer, mm-hmm. um, it's perhaps well, it's the same pattern. Um, in fact, in that match, um, John Moxley only had forty two percent of the offense compared to Kenny Omega's fifty eight. Wow! So it's the, it's the it's the same thing. Um, Kenny Omega threw everything at him until he threw that um, Phoenix splash on the wood that ultimately led to the. the to his defeat so yeah it fits it fits the story it fits um how john moxley's being booked his opponents get more and more desperate until they overextend and then he just clips them takes them out yeah well let's look at uh another person another wrestler individual that also is a very dominant force in aew and that is of course Brody lee you know the exalted one leader of the dark order they yeah. he's officially challenged which has been accepted by Moxley to fight for the AEW World Heavyweight title at double or nothing um uh-huh. and yeah i'm excited for it cuz you know looking at these stats and numbers and everything uh it's very interesting there's a lot of interesting aspects to it um what are some things that come out to you craig about this upcoming match between Moxley and uh Brody Lee um, so the obvious caveat to make is that Brody Lee's the the numbers that we have for Brody Lee is from the the four matches that he's competed in in AEW, and um, but those four matches have been against QT Marshall, Lee Johnson, Justin Law, and Marco Stunt, and mm-hmm. um, so they're not the most challenging matches, um in a, in comparison to Moxley, his last four matches have been Kazarian Hager, Fabu Andre, yeah. Um, and and Chris Jericho, so the the you know the um, Moxley's had three 
um, sorry, Fabu, three, you know, established wrestlers to go against. How dare you? How dare you say <laughs> that about hometown Whereas, hero Fabu Andre? I think, I, I assume Lee. he's from Atlanta. <laughs> uh, Brody Lee, I don't know, like you're looking, you know, who's Marco Stunt, QT Marshall or his biggest opponent so far. So it's, you know, it's different, different standard. Um, Moxley, we've got... Um, like two hours of wrestling for his statistics, whereas um, Brody Lee, it's under 10 minutes. So it's, you know, um, the numbers don't really carry a huge amount of weight yet. Um, but in those 10 minutes, Brody Lee has, um, his pace of offense is superior to Moxley's in terms of strikes, grapples, dives, um, you know, finishers, the amount of pins that he goes for. He he is outscoring Moxley in terms of that. Um, he doesn't use submissions, um, whereas Moxley does. That might that might fit the, the story of the match. Moxley trying to um you know go for a go for a leg, that kind of thing that you know that, that would make sense. Um but yeah it, you know I think the the you know looking at Brody Lee big dominant guy is going to be throwing around a lot of offense. But he's going in there against the human punch bag. He's going in against um, AEW's Homer Simpson. <laughs> and, you know, it's. I want that on a shirt. That's what I want. <laughs> AEW's Homer Simpson. <laughs> so yeah, um, you know, Moxley is he's resilient, and he'll just wait. And you know, Brody Lee might get angry and start hitting things with chairs or shouting at his minions out of frustration and then Moxley could just nip in there with the finisher. So although you could suggest Brody Lee is the favorite, um, John Moxley has a track record at doing this. He's taken everything that Kenny Omega had. He's taken everything that Pac had. He's taken everything that Chris Jericho had um, and absorbed it and won repeatedly 10 times in a row. Um, you know, I think it's 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 going to be Moxley, isn't it? I mean, not not just even just Chris Jericho. You can say he took everything that the entire inner circle had, mm-hmm. including yeah. including outside freelancer Jeff Cobb. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and a lot of this with one eye. Yes, and, and very much correct. Very much correct on that front. Yeah, John Moxley. Uh, of course, like you said, Brody Lee has way smaller matches. His, like you said, his average match length is two minutes and twenty two seconds. Even, <laughs> yeah. even if you, you know, Moxley's was seventeen minutes. Even if you take out his world title matches, his last four were nine minutes and forty two seconds. Still, incredibly much longer that's, than Brody that's Lee's. More, that's more than Brody Lee's total. Yes, that's more than his total time. <laughs> So yeah, it, yeah. Obviously, there's the caveat that like uh, Brody Lee's, you know, um, per hour uh, numbers here are a little bit. I don't want what's the word? I guess stunted inflated. a little bit, inflated um, yeah. than Moxley's. But uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff to go into Moxley. Of course, he's the punching bag. But then there's also I remember I would have to look it up real quick just to cite my source. But I remember a recent interview where Moxley teased the idea of potentially trying to do more like MMA submission stuff in his matches. All right. Yeah. Which is interesting, wow. especially against I... someone like Brody Lee. If if Moxley's whole uh plan of attack is uh, really to 
take as much offense while wearing down the opponent and you know while the you know opponent's mm-hmm. eating or attacking and stuff you can wear down the opponent in that sense throwing in more mma style submissions and whatnot is just going to wear down your opponent even faster so it's a it's he a smart move like he was more like that in japan yes yes he was yes he was uh his his whole thing in japan was he was like this he, he was still this kind of like crazy guy mm-hmm. but he they, they he spoke about he spoke a lot in the back about having a plan and the commentary really put him over as having lots of different plans so there would be matches like the one with Ishii where it was quite weapon based but there was another was it against Tanahashi was but, Tanahashi even in the same group as him I might be wrong but he no was, he I don't really think good. so no um. But yeah, he he tapped somebody out in Japan with some kind of knee bar type move during the G one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, is, he's you know different, especially especially with the fact that uh the the well here we go uprocks is what that article was. Uh, you know he because he went through a bunch of John Moxley went through a bunch of MMA training for his upcoming mm-hmm. movie. Um, that's which will come in at some point. I believe it's called the Cage Fighter. Anyways, uh, this article, just this link, whatever website linked me to Uproxx, it just linked me to the normal page of Uproxx, not like the actual article. Terrible link. Um, yes, but he, he mentioned the idea of, you know, he did a lot of MMA training for the movie, so he's interested in including some into his arsenal. But, you, you know, it makes complete sense with the character Moxley we have presented in front of us. Uh, yeah. Brody Lee, he is, you know, unlike Archer, where Archer was asking for punishment, Brody Lee is someone that is not asking for punishment. He's just going in and destroying people. Um, mm-hmm. You know, total offense, 247, you know, per hour. Offense taken, 44 versus John Moxley's 202. Um, <laughs> Light differences there. Oh, boy. Strike down rate, 41% compared to Moxley's 13 um, in fact, um, Brody Lee has taken seven moves in AEW, and those will all just be like you know strikes. Wow! But he's returned tenfold, eighty-five percent um, average, eighty-five uh, percent average um, offense in the match. And of course, the caveat, of course, that these are short matches yeah, against yeah, against your Justin Laws and stuff. Yeah. But uh, but yeah, he's he even in those short time matches, uh, he's someone that is dominating. Um, which is which is maybe potentially scary. Uh, the idea, I guess, would be previewing going into this match. Can Brody Lee's domination, sheer domination, outrun uh, found, Moxley's um, perseverance? And um, John Moxley tapped out Shingo Takagi. That's who it was. Yes. Wow. Yeah, that's a victory. That's a huge victory. I guess yeah. at the time, this was the G one, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess at the time, Shingo was still considered a junior. I be- um, yeah, he, he he was kind of a junior, but also not. But he, but of course, like they always joked about, he was a junior where the scales seemed to be bro- broken. Yeah, <laughs> it's huge. He's like this guy's pretty big for a junior. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean that's still still a huge victory over Shingo Takagi. Um, but yeah, the the question here uh, is: Can Brody Lee's sheer domination outdo Moxley's perseverance? You know, it's it's a tough one to call. If Moxley can you know wear down Brody Lee even more, who knows? I mean, again, you know, you never know. 
Brody Lee is the leader of the Dark Order. There are, I don't, I don't count how many people, but definitely what, like mm-hmm. eight, <laughs> eight people that were just destroying well, Moxley. Guy, the new guy is called Ten. Ten, yes. I assume I I was trying to think of like who is what number. Like in my head, I was like, yeah. I guess Evil Uno and Stu Grayson are one and two. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there was a, I remember on I think it was a dark where there was like a seven and eight. Uh, yes, yes. But I don't remember who was nine. So it's sort of like who's this person? They've like had nine in a match or anything yet. Yeah. So I was like, who are these people? I I, I kind of like the idea that it's there's no nines because it was just like oh there's these more people that we just don't know about. Um, or like the the pig thing in um um what was that on? Veronica Mars, I think they've had, they were doing a prank where they had three pigs and they labeled them one, two, and four so that they'd be looking for the third. That's a gr- a great distraction attempt. Everybody's always worried about number nine popping up, but there is no number nine. There is no number nine. Oh man, that'd be so great. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Brody Lee was just like, "Yeah, there's no number nine. Why not? <laughs> why why would there yeah. be?" Um... <laughs> he just doesn't like number nine. <laughs> I just, I mean, with the, I guess, character of Brody Lee so far. Yeah, just, like, really strong opinions about random stuff. Just, I, I wonder if he's basing off anyone. Uh, anyways, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, Brody Lee Moxley, there's always the aspect of, you know, will people in the Dark Order be involved in the match in any capacity? Mm-hmm. You always got to think about that. Um, you and know, Moxley's character as well you know he had to withstand the whole inner circle there's five of them Mm -hmm. to um withstand 10 of them yeah i mean uh, even going into looking at his character is like uh he gets beaten down at the end of last week's aew dynamite you know just you know mauled by a bunch of people and then when he answers Brody lee's challenge he's just like sort of laughing and like you should have just asked (laughs) you know you could have just asked uh and he it shows that like he just took a beating but he's just like laughing and like, yeah, whatever, you know. I'm just, just I'm still going, uh, which yeah, dr- is what directly uh, shows in these stats, which is very interesting. Which is what I love doing about the show already, is that already it's like the character moments and the, and the strikes and stats and everything already match up with a lot of people, um, which is a very good job by these wrestlers, I guess. Uh, let's move yeah. into the next topic of conversation, which was the uh, scatter plot that you have presented another this week again, a new scatter plot. Mm-hmm. Um, talk us through this. We're looking at it right now. Talk us through this, Craig. Um, so the idea kind of is that um, so I took their win loss record and I did a scatter plot, kind of their win loss record versus overall offense, um, kind of based off the idea that John Moxley is winning but he's getting, he's having a real hard time in his matches to get those wins. Um, is that a rule? Um, do they book too many kind of resilient underdog wins or is, or is John Moxley an anomaly? And yes, John Moxley is an anomaly. Um, the correlation is if you get more stuff in, in your matches, you're more likely to win, which, you know, shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought, we well, we could go into... Um, Kind of more of the stats and see like what are the keys to winning in AEW. Um, so what we've got this week is um, wrestlers' strike rate per hour. So if you take their numbers and multiply it up 
to be an hour's worth of wrestling or take their numbers and average it out over an hour does does you know a, a better strike rate getting more strikes in a match does that lead to the victory or not and you know one would suspect that striking your opponent more often than he strikes you would lead to you winning more matches and um, however the correlation so it is negative the more matches you win um the, the less strikes you have on average according to the, it's a very slight negative mm-hmm. um correlation but um yeah it's that it's interesting especially compared to last week's graph average offense percentage versus win-loss record that we showed last week that correlation was in- strong enough s- insanely strong right mm-hmm. um compared to here it's a slightly negative so it's like yeah. uh it, to me it would appear that strikes don't really matter yeah i i guess i mean again slight correlation but yeah it's sort of implying that slight or strikes don't matter insanely a much to to winning a match which is very very interesting idea you know you would think punching your opponent would be a helpful endeavor but i guess Mm -hmm. maybe not yeah i was trying to think about how you could put that how you could rationalize that Mm -hmm. i suppose you could say that wrestlers that are striking too much that are taking the the easy road and just hitting their opponent rather than working um into more complex maneuvers are wasting their time they're not using their minutes effectively and then their opponents are able to take advantage if any all i really think of to put that into perspective yeah uh it goes to something to say that like it goes to say that doing flashy wrestling moves may be better, you know, mm. than just normal punches and kicks and whatnot. I wonder. I wonder if there's any correlation in terms of strike downs, um, you know, because mm-hmm. of course you can punch your opponent, but uh, a yeah. harder strike that will knock them down. Maybe, maybe there's a correlation there. There's something. There's something Why? very Why different. Don't... Why don't we explore that next week? Ooh, more teases. This is what I love. <laughs> next week. Next week on Wrestling Statistics. Uh, yeah, yeah. The two difference in these charts is very interesting. The fact that there was a, a strong correlation last week to a very slight negative correlation mm-hmm. is, is very interesting. I mean, obviously, you have some standouts here that, you know, I'm slightly surprised that Chris Jericho's leading the pack, but of course, he only had one match. Uh, yeah. in 2020 so far orange cassidy all the way in the back there which is <laughs> correct is all i'm gonna cassidy say isn't putting the work in who'd have thunk it hey but he's at zero of uh, win-loss records so he's mm-hmm. perfectly fine he's doing all right he's doing pretty good um yeah there there's some people here obviously you know in the scatter plot that are very interesting of course moxley sort of you know in the middle of the pack mm-hmm. when it comes yeah. to striking you know of up the other of the upper half uh and obviously winning a bunch of matches uh there's people down here like joey janella trent chucky t qt marshall that are again sort of in the middle of the pack but desperately mm-hmm. losing it, yeah it really goes to show that like maybe strikes are not the most important thing to winning a match um which is very interesting yeah. What what's also interesting about this chart is that 
anybody who has used less than 100 strikes per hour mm-hmm. has um, breaks even or has a positive win-loss record. Oh, yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you're looking at Pack, Sean Spears, mm-hmm. MJF, Darby Allen, Orange, Ca- Orange Cassidy, all of whom which, you know, respectively won three, 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 zero. Yeah, uh, and their win loss I mean, records. The, the caveat to mention here is I've excluded any wrestler who has less than twenty minutes, um, one on one ring time. So there will be guys that, presumably, um, one would guess that have just you know gone into matches and been squashed. But I with the guys that have um, wrestled for a substantial amount of time, none of them have under a hundred per hour. Another disgrace to the great Fabu Andre. I mean, how? I mean, there's. What are you doing here, Craig? I mean, where, where's the Fabu Andre love? Sorry, can we just just pause for a second. Um, what does Fabu Andre look like? You know, uh, as you're such a big fan. You know, I was looking it up. <laughs> a fraud. <laughs> I was looking it up, and I went to like the. I typed in Fabu Andre, looked at the Twitter, and it came up as a, a female wrestler. And I All was right. like, I'm pretty sure John Foxley did not wrestle this lady. Uh, who does a beautiful springboard moonsault, by the way. Um, oh, right. Maybe, she is... Maybe your pal, Fabu Andre, should take notes. Yes, they are a fabulous butterfly, is what their this gimmick is. Wait, hold on, hold on. I should I should take that back, actually. I don't know. Is it Was this the same wrestler? <laughs> now I'm very... Okay, now I'm very confused. <laughs> okay, I'm going to spend the next 10 hours <laughs> diving deep into... <laughs> Into this, maybe it was the same wrestler. Maybe I was confused. Oh, it was on dark. That's why I don't quite remember because I actually haven't been spending too much time on Fabu Andre. It is the same wrestler. I was incorrect. That's not what people. I was incorrect. Fabu Andre is not a late female. She is a. Um. Uh. They are. They are. I. Oh, gender. I'm getting screwed. I'm getting screwed by genders. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Oh, I read it all wrong. I'll say they. They uh, have a beautiful springboard moonsault where they faced and lost to John Moxley. Okay. Um, I'll say I'll do my best to uh, reverse out of this one. <laughs> oh God! How do Craig take me out of this? Please save me. Oh, I I don't even know how at this stage. <laughs> oh no! I'm too far gone. <laughs> oh, so, no. Yeah. Um. When you look at the kind of the kind of top five strikers, we've got Jericho, Daniels, Sabian, Archer, and Dustin Rhodes. And I suppose to um, highlight the point even more, out of those five, only Archer and Sabian have positive win-loss records. So it's not, you know, it's not really proving to be the best tactic. Again, though, calling back to last week, something about Kip Sabian. I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, he features a lot. He he gets a lot in in his matches. He he, you know, comes out quite highly for a lot of these things. Yeah, like Kip Sabian, according to this, on the same playing field as Lance Archer, mm-hmm. uh, which is, I mean, obviously Kip Sabian's matches are way longer than Lance's, but yeah. wild, wild, <laughs> wild that Kip Sabian is is still the, just the consistent, um, what's the word you used it, anomaly mm-hmm. uh, in all of these graphs is Kip Sabian is just always, it feels like he's sticking out like such a sore thumb. Yeah, so I mean, like Kip Sabian, out of the guys that have wrestled, um, for over an hour, he's easily the, um, 
I don't know, most proficient striker, but like he's the he's got the, the quickest strike rate. He's striking the most in his matches. Um, let's move on. Let's start talking about the next lineup. Uh, let's talk about these AEW league tables. As we get closer and closer to double or nothing, obviously we're going to see more and more matches announced, more and more titles defended, potentially defended, I should say. And there's a lot to look forward to. Uh, you know, let's look at the sort of league standings that you've presented again at prowrestlingmusings.com, Craig. Uh, you know, looking at the male singles division, um, you know, you were correct last week. You know, we were sort of uh, postulating who might be the next contender for the title. I said MJF, and you correctly uh, suggested Brody Lee. So, uh, win, you know, you can t- easily take that victory lap. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I didn't. It was just kind of looking at the table who would like, who, who could you justify it with the numbers? And, you know, they have been squashes, but Brody Lee. Um, up in fifth in the male singles division. Um, ahead of him is Kenny Omega, Lance Archer, Cody Rhodes, and John Moxley. So two of those are fighting each other for the TNT title, whereas Kenny Omega is a tag champ. So um, next in line would be Brody Lee. And even then, you're looking at next week's matchup of Brody Lee versus uh, Christopher Daniels. You, uh-huh. If yeah. you suppose that Brody Lee gets a victory, then he's now going to be tied for third. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. So, yeah, um, a lot of people were um, quite kind of annoyed that Brody Lee had been given it. And then you've got you know, that, that kind of well-trodden path of this is just two WWE guys um, because, you know, WWE owns every single wrestler that they ever employ. Um, Even Yoshi Tatsu? I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's fine. Um, it makes sense. Although, if like maybe it's too maybe it's too soon for Kenny Omega John Moxley rematch. But if Adam Page isn't going to be around, there's you know Kenny Omega's been putting on great matches, more um, kind of substantial opponents as well. Yeah, very interested to see. But uh, yeah, Brody Lee, of course, against uh, John Moxley is what's happening at Double or Nothing. Yes. Um, Next up, of course, looking at the females, females, female singles division. Uh, very interesting enough. You know, of course, we have a next week we have, or upcoming Wednesday, there is a fatal four-way, not fatal four-way, four-way dance, whatever they're calling it, mm-hmm. uh, match. Hikaru Shida, Chris Statlander, um, uh, Penelope Ford, and Britt Baker. Um, right. Okay. <laughs> I can I can hear it. I can hear it in your voice. Hikaru Shida has wrestled eight times in 2020. She has won seven of those matches. The one that she lost, I believe, was a fatal four-way number one contenders match. The one that they... No, it wasn't the number one contenders match. It was a fatal four-way women's championship match um, when they double-booked Chris Statlander and she couldn't take part. Mm -hmm. Why... What is the purpose of these rankings? Why on earth... Would you make Hikaru Shida take part in a fatal four-way match for the number one contendership when she has a win-loss record of plus six in 2020? Penelope Ford, who's also in it, plus one. Britt Baker, evens, zero. Chris Statlander, minus one. Why, why is Hikaru Shida having to take part in this match? Surely she's already 
earned that spot. And I know we don't get to have a match to prove that, but you know, I, I don't know. It's just we're gonna, wins and losses are going to matter. We're not going to insult your intelligence. I don't know how how intelligent do you think your audience are that this makes sense. Yeah, I mean that is all true. That is all true, Craig. It it is astounding that Hikaru Shida is eighty eight percent positive in her win percentage. Mm. She is she is above Nyla Rose, right? She is Nyla Rose is eighty three percent. She's dominating the division, and yet she is still having to fight in these sort of fatal four ways, sort of prove yourself. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fatal four way. In, in itself is not really a number one contenders match. It's sort of, I guess, implied that the winner will probably challenge Nyla Rose. But even then, yeah. it's not like fully... You don't call it a number one contenders match. Yeah, at that point. At that point, why not call it? Um, no, but have they? I thought they had called it a number one contenders match. I'll do the double check real quick, but uh, I don't I don't think they but, did. But like, so the rankings are just being used backwards then, because, so what what is going to happen here is if this is a number one contenders match, Hikaru Shida is going to win because I mean, they could, they could, they could have her, it would make more sense for her to lose now so that, you know, there's some kind of pushback that why am I not getting the title match? Why is the company making me do this? It would be difficult because she's a baby face, but I think you can still be a baby face and have that gripe. Um, but if, if she wins this, and this is a number one contenders match, fatal four way, essentially the the rankings just become spoilers. Uh, t- to say it, looking at AEW's Twitter account, next week on Dynamite, it's a four way match with Karashida, Penelope Ford, Chris Statlander, Doctor Real Britt Baker, DMD. That's it. No number one contenders tag to it. Just oh a fatal four way. Just. Just the fatal four. <laughs> okay, well, I mean, no, even even then, even if it's like you know the winner homework. of the winner of this match will potentially get it. Sort of that implied thing that sometimes yeah. they do. Even then, it's like again that come, kind of comes back to the rankings shouldn't be spoilers. Mm-hmm. And again, like Hikaru Shida could let let's say Britt Baker pins. Pins and Penelope Ford. Correct. Then that you know, um, wh- when you're making your title match for a double or nothing, it should still be Hikaru Shida, because if Britt Baker wins, she's now on what plus one, and Hikaru Shida's still on plus six. Yeah. <laughs> you know, ugh. the the rankings mustn't become spoilers because that is just all kinds of missing missing the the point of like sports centered wrestling promotion. Is there any argument to, you know, going with that sort of idea of Britt Baker pinning Sheeta? If Sheeta gets pinned, there's, there's more, there's more of an argument that somebody else can get that spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, Hikaru Sheeta should definitely get the title match. They mm-hmm. were sort of teasing the idea. Remember when they did that video package? Uh, they were sort of teasing the idea that Hikaru Shida is like this dominant force in the women's division who has not yet challenged. Mm. And so there, to me, I was like... They've mentioned it now, yeah. The, knowing knowing the stats and knowing the, the actual numbers behind here, 
me thinking like i wonder if that could maybe be a story point of like what is happening why is sheeta getting all these wins but never being able to challenge who in the booking committee whoever whatever gods they are have not allowed sheeta in into that that sort of that pool which then it become then there's the issue of like well then your booking committee's bad <laughs> because Hikaru Shida is obviously the number one contender. WWE isn't it kind of um, nefarious authoritarian figures? Yeah, she has been. <laughs> yes, it's like who is who is it? Jack Whitehall, Billy Gunn, um, whoever's who, whoever's in your booking committee. It's I don't know what they're doing, but they're just sleeping on Sheeta over here. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, I don't know. It's it's odd. I mean, my guess is that she wins on Wednesday and gets the title shot. Correct. That's I'm I'm in the same boat. I mean, which, which is which is fine. Um, I thought it was a number one contenders match, which is more muddled. But if it's not and it's just another um, platform to spotlight Sheeta, that's that's less problematic. Um, but yeah, the it's still slight slightly having the rankings as spoilers rather than kind of a real. Um, sports-based thing. And real quickly, looking at the male tag division, of course, uh, there is Hangman Adam Page, who has been sitting out uh, mm. due to the quarantine, of course, smartly so. Mm. Um, we don't know, obviously, if he will be returning for Double or Nothing. It was acknowledged on air that he's been sitting out for the past couple weeks due to the quarantine. Um, but So we don't know exactly if he is going to come back at any point to defend the titles. But looking at the rankings here, uh, do we think at all that, um, you know, if the titles are defended, who do we think is going to be, you know, challenging for those titles? Um, well, they've got Dark Order, um, five wins, similar to their leader. They were kind of all squashes on Dark or insignificance um, tag teams on Dark, but nonetheless, they're up there in second. Um, you were you were saying um, that they're that they're not that they're not based in America. Yes, Dark Order, uh, to my knowledge, are Canadian-based, hmm. which, okay. due to the current uh, pandemic, might be an issue <laughs> of travel. Yeah, um, so, I mean, best friends have benefited greatly from the, the kind of empty empty arena shows and are positioned kind of as the next strongest tag team. So it, it looks like if they can get Paige back, back in the building... That it, it'll be Chucky e. T and Trent, but I don't know. Um, my guess would be that that's perhaps wishful thinking. I'm, I'm I don't know what's going to happen with Kenny Omega at Double or Nothing, but I'm not convinced he'll be tagging with Adam Page. Would you be Would you be okay with uh, Omega defending the titles alongside Matt Hardy? Um, I don't think so because. That that story is just so strong, and people are so into it. For, I mean, that story being Hangman Adam Page's story. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's it just if I don't know. It almost feels like a betrayal. Probably being a little melodramatic there, but like, I don't know. It just yeah. They could they they were entertaining last week. They could you know they could do another one of those matches. I'm, well, now that, now that you said the word betrayal, I'm thinking about it. Actually, I think Omega defending the titles with Matt Hardy would actually 
coincide with the story of Adam Page feeling neglected by the yeah. elite. Yeah, do you know what? You're absolutely right. Like, th- he would come back, like, and let, Ooh, let's say... Or um, Matt Jackson. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Because it's been the Matt, the Matt Jackson and Adam Page thing. Mm-hmm. I like, know, Nick, you were saying that Nick will be at home because of his newborn, mm-hmm. and that's perhaps why Matt isn't there either, because they live kind of... Weirdly um, together. Yes, um, kind of together, but if, you know, if they can socially distance, if, you know, bring Matt Jackson back and have him um, tag with... Kenny Omega and have him kind of talk about oh you've got a, you've got a real tag team partner now Kenny a, mm-hmm. you know tag team specialists etc cetera, etc cetera, and kind of because the best thing about that um, Adam Page um, it, um, elite kind of the friction there was the interactions between him and Matt were incredible yeah there's also the there's also the idea that like what happens if they lose. <laughs> Yes, and yes, then, that's interesting and as well. It, whether it be Matt Hardy, whether it be Matt Jackson, or whatever, what happens if they just of Page having to mail the title? To... Oh, 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 that's heartbreaking. <laughs> that's such a heartbreaking tale. Oh man, I would feel so bad if it's just he has to mail back the yeah. title. <laughs> Puts a stamp that's like two Dark Order <laughs> or something, or two best yeah, friends, no, two Philadelphia. That... There's, 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 um, oh there's my God. Errors of story, actually, if they would choose to capitalize on that. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Either way, no matter who it is, if, whether they lose or win, just defending the titles, uh, with Adam Page not being there, mm-hmm. it works. It, it like weirdly works in that same sense. I do also like the idea of it. Say it again. You've changed my mind. I agree. It could work. And I am now thinking the idea of like it actually could also work if it is Matt Hardy because the idea is that like I guess the elite just uh, just allowed a guy in sort of Matt Hardy yeah, into yeah. the elite. We all know it. He's a broken person. He's just he's multiple multiple personalities. Oh, but it's now like, I thought of the Matt Jackson thing. That's what I want. I just think that like Matt Jackson could be really smarmy and kind of there could be a lot of I agree like, rewarding comments there. I agree. I, I think if, if they can't get Matt Jackson, Matt Hardy will work. But if you can get yeah. Matt Jackson, use him. Oh, if you can get if you can't get Matt Jackson and it's Matt Hardy and they kind of lean into the the DDT style stuff that they did last week, you know. How, oh, can you imagine best friends versus Hardy and um? You were saying about seeing Hardy and versus Chucky e. T earlier. Imagine the best friends versus Kenny and Matt Hardy in a kind of silly kind of ddt yeah that man yeah because i was just saying i was like there's something about matt hardy and chucky t which is just there's some it's like the delusional person is really what it is (laughs) yeah yeah. that's really just what i want to see and then obviously omega trent have had several matches that have just been outstanding so i I think that's a very good match that maybe that's the match they're leading towards a double or nothing who knows we doubt i mean dark order might be uh travel uh hardened uh and then natural nightmares you could argue that oh dustin rhodes is injured you know um for the lance archer match so best friends you know according to these league standings might be the next challengers uh against some team if there is one there also could just be a number one contenders match you know um if they you know best friends tag teams teams are thin on the ground at the moment yeah best friends uh i think it was tony khan said that best friends legitimately were the only established tag team that they had during those Atlanta tapings. 
Um, so they obviously greatly benefited. They they potentially could get a title shot out of it, which is awesome for them. Um, yeah, yeah, but it's a shame for the people that you know were excluded by circumstances or mm-hmm. admirable choices. Yeah, but if you know, a little a nice little thank you, I guess is what it's yeah, going to yeah, ultimately but, be. Yeah. Um, if you want to navigate. All right, well then, um, that's it for this week's episode. We are going to can this uh, sort of discussion about the NXT title matches. Maybe we'll discuss it next week, um, seeing as you know time permitting. Who knows? Maybe it's be too old of a discussion. Maybe something it will explode in the wrestling wrestling world. I guess actually no. Uh, we a good week. We might be able to preview AEW Double or Nothing next week. Maybe that's what we're going to do. I'm not sure who knows the world's gonna change in a week so it's hard to tell um but yeah so thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of wrestling with statistics uh we thank you so much if you like what you heard uh you of course can subscribe to this podcast feed that you're listening to uh or of course the youtube channel to get uh more episodes when those are released every monday forgot what day it is today every monday um uh, uh anything else for to say to the kind folks greg um the the i really liked the youtube version of this um last week so if you have just listened to the audio um the the youtube work version works really well because you're listening to what we're saying the stats we're talking about and then they're they're on the screen in front of you which um works really nicely yes you can there will be a link to the youtube version presumably if i if i remember to do it in the podcast description but of course you can always go to hit the books podcast on youtube there's links Somewhere the links are out there. You already just you know find it and look it up. Hit the books podcast on YouTube. Uh, there'll also be a link on our Twitter page at Hit the Books Pod uh, is where you can find my uh, wrestling Twitter page, and you can always find Craig at PW Musings on Twitter as well. Um, anything else, Craig? Before we go, ProWrestlingMusings.com as well. If you want to see all of this kind of thing in one place, it's worth an explore. Yes. Yeah, you have a great series happening right now for greatest matches of all time. Uh, yes, and... check check that out. Um, John Cena versus CM Punk statistics and some kind of analysis graphs for that. And that's a match that I quite often, quite a lot of like podcasts are talking about when, when they go back into wrestling. It's often that match that's spoken about. So yeah, have a look at that. Yes, have a look at that. Uh, and that'll be it for this week's episode of Wrestling with Statistics. We'll be back next week with our special guest, Fabu Andre. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I mean, if we can get Fabu Andre, I'm bringing him on. You know for a fact I would be. Uh, thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of Wrestling with Statistics. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Goodbye.